Tamari, welcome to First Up. It is Rahina. That's Monday, the 5th of September. Nathan Rarere, I hope. Coming up, why New Zealand's anti hate activists are celebrating the demise of an internet forum called Kiwi Farms, which facilitated vicious harassment campaigns against its political enemies. We look at the All Blacks' emphatic win over Argentina on Saturday. Not bad for the uh, fifth-ranked team in the world, apparently. And Taranaki's Iwi's uh, campaign, uh, campaign to stop busloads of out-of-towners coming in and decimating stocks of Kaimwana. They get 10 power each at 300, but then they go to the morning tide, the evening tide, the morning tide, the evening tide. It's probably three whole days. So just in one bus, you're talking about close to 2,000 miles. There is a lot of weather arriving in New Zealand this week. I know it's very, very cold uh, down south and quite windy too. So uh, everybody, we'll just brace ourselves and get through this one. Hopefully it's the last shake of winter before we get to not quite summer. Anyway, uh, look, I hope you've had a fantastic weekend. It's Monday, so we're going to go stateside to start off and speak with our US correspondent, Anna Burns-Francis. She's told me about something very exciting. A visit to the Big Apple for a certain New Zealand Prime Minister. That's right, Jacinda Ardern. Great timing, of course, with her arrival. She's coming in on that first direct flight from New Zealand to New York. And this is the first proper in-person General Assembly since the pandemic started. You know, last year, only a handful of leaders turned up. So what's on the agenda? Uh, The PM is hosting a Christchurch Call to Action Leaders Summit. Then, of course, there's the usual round of events, trade, investment and tourism. But this year, the GIA, you've got to think, has some big tasks to tackle, not least the ongoing war in Ukraine. Of course, the UN has been the forum of some dramatic spats between players involved in that conflict, but also climate change and the role of China exerting its influence in the Pacific and Taiwan. So while I'm sure Jacinda Ardern is looking forward to catching up with her fellow leaders, Unlike her trip here in May, this week will be less focused on brand New Zealand and more on Aotearoa's role in tackling some pretty tough global challenges. Well, the good thing is it's such a long flight, she can do a lot of reading on the plane. That's pretty good. <laughs> Just And I, uh, I understand that, is this you again? Have you gone and cursed another rocket launch? Because last time we spoke, it was exciting. You were going to watch one, then it got cancelled, and I believe Artemis, what, postponed again? Well, I'm five hours up the coast and I'm glad I didn't make the journey down because, yeah, you've got to feel sorry for those guys in the fueling team at NASA. The second time in a week, everything has fallen over at the last minute or the last couple of hours at least. Another hydrogen leak. But this time, it's actually from a slightly different part of the line that controls the feed. So Monday's issue was a faulty sensor and then this time there really was a leak and quite a bad one. So all bets are off now until it looks like October. That's the next window, of course, for weather, availability on the launch pad, getting into the right orbit, getting through all the space junk, and hopefully having had the fuel issue resolved. The most immediate problem is whether to leave the rocket on the launch pad or roll it all the way back into the shed for repairs. <laughs> yeah, funny, we all had that problem. Halitza, I've seen some interesting footage uh, online of uh, former President Trump and current President Biden. They're both rallying in Pennsylvania ahead of uh, midterms. Tell me about this. Oh, yeah, big weekend in Pennsylvania, especially if you're politically inclined. Visits from both the president and the former guy. Now, Joe Biden, of course, we saw late last week going on an unprecedented attack of the far right. He says is not only trying to take over the Republican Party, but hijack American democracy. Well, last night, fired up Donald Trump, hit back, calling the president an enemy of the state. Why are they both in Pennsylvania? Well, it's looking like a battleground state for those upcoming midterms. Now, voting isn't even until November, but the House and Senate are fine 
finely balanced. And the Democrats have a really precarious grip on power. They really actually need to increase the number of seats they hold significantly if they want to get through any meaningful legislation. And we've already seen Joe Biden promising to act on semi-automatic weapons. That's not going to happen if they can't hold on to states like Pennsylvania. Uh, I see that now Venus Williams is currently the most successful active tennis player since uh, that's that's all for Serena bowing out at the US Open. <laughs> Sibling rivalry much, you've got to wonder. But look, what a magnificent career it's been. And yeah, she's gone out in a surprising, but not surprising maybe, but rather disappointing fashion to some fans. Her form had looked a little rusty leading up to the tournament. But if anyone was going to pull it out of the bag, it was the six-time winner of this tournament. Couldn't be done though. 27 years on the court, Williams went down in three sets to an Aussie. That's a bit of a shame. But in the end, didn't matter to the crowds. Record numbers this week turning out to see her play. And if you're wondering if this really is the end for someone so competitive looks like it is William says she wants to have another child and she can't do that while travelling the world and competing she's a competition a holic though eh? there'll be something there'll be something that she does imagine, <laughs> imagine being in the mum's group with her just even trying to push a trolley yeah. and pushing you push chair she'd get there sooner hey uh, and finally I'd see this one here uh, commercial tourism launches for the Titanic tell me about this yeah, I'm not sure about this one. Look, it's some new footage out from a company called Ocean Gate. Now, they've actually already taken two expeditions down into the deep, and eye-watering some, excuse the pun, of 400000 New Zealand dollars a seat. That's nearly the price of a trip to space, actually. Look, the submersible trip, takes eight hours. That's including two and a half hours each way just to get to the site. Uh, as one scientist put it, it's a pretty expensive way of operating for the company as some ballast if you're one of the tourists on board. The footage is meant to give you an insight as to what you can expect to see down there, but Titanic researchers are warning it's a pretty pricey trip to what is also a watery grave and a wreck that's been extensively explored already. That is Anna Burns Francis there in the USA. It is 10 past five. With food crops increasingly being grown inside glasshouses, horticulturalists are turning to miniature drones to do the pollination work of honeybees. It's hoped that the new technique can help meet the growing global demand for food. But can the drones even do a good enough job? The ABC's Sean Murphy reports. It could be liftoff for a new era in protected cropping in Australia tiny drones able to pollinate indoor fruit and vegetable crops. Singapore-based inventor Siddharth Jadav is testing his polybee system at the University of Western Sydney and with the South Australian company Perfection Fresh. It's part of a $1.3 million research project funded by Hort Innovation. The goal is to find cost-effective alternatives to honeybees, which don't work well in undercover environments. So how the drones work is fairly straightforward. Number one is we calibrate a space when we first install the system in a glasshouse, and that really sets the bounds for the drone's flight. Uh, and step two is essentially training a user to use an app to start the operations for pollination. The updraft from the drone's propellers help to transfer pollen between flowers. The trial is also looking at pollination alternatives such as blowflies and stingless bees. In Europe, bumblebees are the gold standard pollinators for glasshouse cropping, but they're not allowed to be imported into Australia. 
Research team leader Patsawi Utaipanon says Australian growers use manual pollination, performed with a paintbrush or by shaking the leaves of plants. It's very time consuming because you have to pick the flower at the right age and then yeah, it's very labour intensive. And if you look at the strawberry flowers, they are aggregate fruits, which means that in one flower there are like a little pistil and all of them need to be pollinated, otherwise you get a deformed strawberries, which is not a preferable outcome. The strawberries will be monitored to ensure pollination leads to consistently ripened, well-shaped fruit. Glasshouse tomatoes will also be pollinated with the miniature drones. This is a glimpse of the future out here at Western Sydney. It's a great project for horticulture. It brings together international technology, grower experience and uh, the research knowledge of hort innovation to find a solution for enclosed cropping here in Australia. We're seeing growth in the enclosed cropping sector or protected cropping. It allows farmers to manage their crop away from the impacts of weather, climate, and also manage their inputs more thoroughly. Pollination is a key management tool that farmers that are under protected cropping have to manage, and this research is trying to allow them to do that more effectively, more efficiently, and reduce their input costs. Polybee conducted trials earlier this year in the United Kingdom on indoor vertical farms. The company says its drones outperformed bumblebees. The drones are assembled with off-the-shelf technology, but what sets them apart are the algorithms which also allow them to measure and predict production outcomes. Port Innovation is currently spending $60 million on research into improving pollination. Our industry has provided us a really clear signal that this is their priority and therefore it's horticulture innovation's priority. We have more than a dozen projects across a range of industries and this is one of our leading projects. It's the ABC's Sean Murphy. It's 14 past five. You're listening to First Up here on RNZ National with me, Nathan Rarity. Good choice. Hey, um, in this, when we were talking to Anna Burns-Francis before, she talked about the submarine going right to the bottom of the ocean. So my absolute phobia is that. But I was thinking I would rather do a spacewalk uh, than go down into deep water. That started a discussion here uh, um, uh, with uh, myself and the team here. 2101, scarier for you, being right at the bottom of the ocean or going on a like a spacewalk out from the space station? Still attached. Uh, text us 2101 or email first up at rnz.co.nz. By the way, I don't know if any of us are actually ever doing that. I'm just saying hypothetically, would you do it? Anyway, because it's Monday, we're going to cross live to Europe now for our correspondent. It's always good to hear the voice and uh, get to say kia to, in fact, guten tag, to Nita Blake-Person. How are you? I'm well, Nathan, Morena, and for me, that would be the bottom of the ocean. I, I can't think of anything worse. Yeah, thank you. Yep, you're with me. Okay, so that's one. We're leading. Thank you. One, two. There we go. Uh, Nita, <laughs> up, up, I see Russia's turned off its supply of gas or what have you. So obviously energy crisis looks like it might be hitting Europe as, as prices start to rise. Any idea when that supply might come back on? No idea at this stage, and Russia isn't giving any indications either. Yeah, Gazprom, which is the Russian energy firm, turned off the tap to the Nord Stream 1 pipeline last week, supposedly due to equipment issues, and hasn't given any time frame on when it will restart, basically indicating it could be closed indefinitely. So this pipeline's had issues for months, and Moscow's blamed Western sanctions over the war in Ukraine for interrupting maintenance of it. Europe's accusing Russia of using the supply 
applies to blackmail Europe amid the Ukraine conflict. The Kremlin denies that. But, you know, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky had some pretty strong words on this today. He's saying Russia wants to destroy the normal life of every European citizen, is, is trying to attack with poverty and political chaos where it cannot yet attack with missiles. Yeah. And look, it's, um, keeping with uh, there, I guess, uh, the pressures of the war in Ukraine starting to spill over there into various countries also around Europe. What are these major protests in the Czech Republic? Well, it's energy prices again there that are creating major problems. Um, 70,000 people turned out for a protest in Prague yesterday, right across the political spectrum. You had your far right and far left. Their main messages included calling on the government to bring energy prices under control while also voicing opposition to the European Union and and NATO. The organisers said the Czech Republic should be neutral militarily and they're condemning the government for joining those EU sanctions on Russia, saying that's what's causing everyone bills to skyrocket and it's protests like that one that show kind of how Europe's energy crisis is fueling political instability right across the board Uh, you know the power prices are stoking massive inflation that's already at levels unseen in 30 years for some places here and and surveys coming out now saying many Europeans worry that that high inflation could actually fuel more social unrest protest strikes and whatnot so while some European leaders say there is enough energy without Russia's supplies to get through the winter. Just how much it will cost and what the flow-on effects will be are still you know, a pretty major sore spot for many households here. If we go to uh, further north there, we go to Sweden, the elections are nearly underway. They're not very far off from Ukraine. Here. Is, is the war affecting things there? It is also affecting things there. Yes, the the elections, the general elections are scheduled to take place on September 11th. And Sweden has said it's on high alert for outside intervention due to increased tensions there with Russia. Um, They recently set up back at the start of this year a a psychological defence agency to protect democracy. And that agency is reporting heightened activity from foreign sources after Sweden applied to join NATO back in May. So a, a, a a spokesperson for that agency agency said they're on high alert all the time but uh, it might be an occasion at the moment that someone would like to harm Sweden, impact the Swedish democracy process or do something exceptional towards the end of this election campaign and and that whole campaign is taking place against many of the same issues that we've been talking about right across Europe, the cost of living and energy prices and some polls are suggesting the Sweden Democrats who are a very right wing populist party there could be on track to replace the moderates as Sweden's second biggest party. So things are looking extremely tight there and it will be one to watch ahead of polling next weekend. Hey, thank you, Nita. There she is. Uh, Join us from Europe. That's Nita Blake-Person. Nineteen past five and Nathan Rarity. You're listening to First Up here on RNZ National. This morning we will talk about fruit and veggies with Glenn, the Minister of Fruit and Veggies. Uh, we're going to have a look at that All Blacks big win over the weekend too and the taking down of a, a website called Kiwi Farms. Have a listen to that. It is a very interesting story. It is the first week of September, the first proper one. We're going to have a look and see what is in the stores as far as your fruit and veggies go. It's Mr Glenn Forsyth who's with us, the Minister of Fruit and Veg. Kia ora Glenn, how are you? Very well, thank you Nathan, you? 
I'm good. Just before we get into it, uh, we've been discussing this morning, which do you find more terrifying, the thought of what? Going in a submarine right to the bottom of the ocean or going, you know, in like a spacewalk where, you, where you're attached out from the space station? Which one's more terrifying for you? Um, shivers. Probably space because of fear of flying. I'd like to maybe go down in, in the bottom of the ocean and see what's down there. Well, there we go. What if we, we put some fruit and veggies out there? I bet you'd, you'd shoot off after that. Okay, so that makes the score there because Vicky is also a uh, she's an underwater, me and Anita, and then that brings you guys up. So we're three all at the moment. Hey, um, five plus a day. Um, this is interesting. Five plus a day at the moment in store. Is it, There's not really a lot around at the moment, Glenn. I know that weather report was a bit depressing too, yeah. but it is that time again, the beginning of the month, and we love seeing what five plus a day have in store for us. Um, we, we we may think, great, it's spring, bring on asparagus, strawberries, capsicums and tomatoes, but no, we need a little more sunlight hours and warmth for those prices to get kinder for us yet. So they have chosen New Zealand grapefruit and mushrooms this month. We have two grapefruit varieties on offer, the Morrison and Cutler's Red, and like all citrus fruits in New Zealand, we've come a long way with better quality over the past few decades. I mean, back in those days, it was known as the poor man's orange, as it didn't meet the criteria of true grapefruit. Turners and growers introduced the name gold fruit to help improve its export potential. And the New Zealand fruit, at its peak, like now, is a beautifully juicy, orange-fleshed, sweet dessert, you know, while just retaining those tart elements peculiar to the species. And on mushrooms, refrigerate in paper bag, never use plastic as mushrooms sweat, and you know, because they have a need for air circulation. So, so they're the two items this month. I just googled recipes with grapefruit and mushrooms, and there are some, including <laughs> including one here, Glenn, that says Oriental pavlova ingredients: mushroom, grapefruit, heavy cream, egg, lemon, honey, vanilla, quince, rose water, mint, sugar, and pomegranate. I'm going to say no. That's crazy. Yeah, oh, let's go to uh, mushrooms on a pav. No, let's go to vegetables. Um, <laughs> what's happening there? Okay, yeah, we mentioned that broccoli and cauliflower will choke in supply this month. However, how lucky were we having them all throughout winter? We have three great greens, though, to take their place this week. So just, um, you know, a matter to seek out different recipes, and they are silver beet, leeks, and celery. And like Australia, with their lettuce, we are starting to follow suit with better quality lettuce now ourselves. Uh, To go with these greens, there is full supply of carrots and onions, and your pick of pumpkin would be to try the supermarket squash variety. Healthy Fresh, a great niche grower. They have fresh bok choy, coriander and daikon available this week. And finishing on two more green veggies, New Zealand isn't allowed to import Australian courgettes after the 31st of August, so supply of New Zealand ones will go in demand for this month. However, Aussie are flushing on round beans, so these will be your more affordable side dish this week as opposed to new season asparagus. Okay, Glenn, you've got to help us though. Kiwi fruit, love them, but they're ripening too fast right now. What do I do? Yeah, got a few problems there on that. Uh, just on fruit, good timing on avocados being fruit of the week last Friday. There were pallets and pallets of them down here this morning. Of the grapes we saw, our opinion is the red-coloured ones that were the more sound in quality. And joining citrus of the month, grapefruit, are uh, good volumes of oranges and lemons. Now, we like Australia this week, don't we, Nathan, as the Raiders are in the top eight NRL playoffs. Heck yes, are and they? The... <laughs> Take that, Tigers. Ha-ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Good luck against the Storm. We, 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 they always go well against the Storm. Now, now and it could be time for fresh strawberries from Australia on, on the path. 
as the prices of these today here in Auckland are ripe for the picking. Now, a quick note on the kiwi fruit for you, Nathan. We are into the latter part of their season now, and their holding qualities aren't as good as last year. So it will pay to buy more frequently and store in the fridge rather than the fruit bowl. And also separating them, like in their own Tupperware container even, helps as they can spoil other other fruits as well as themselves. Beautiful. Thank you very much. There he is. He's with you every week. He gives you the good stuff. Mondays and Fridays. Find out how to get vitamins and minerals inside you with the Minister of Fruit and Veggies. He's Glenn Forsyth. It's 28 past five. Sing your roll a penny a Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. This is the day of our life we call the 5th of September, and plenty happened today, so let's rip on through it. Uh, let's go birthdays, still with us, Raquel Welsh, who was born Joe Tejada. Uh, there you are, and um, yeah, I think she was well, possibly one of the most beautiful people ever born, probably. Uh, Michael Keaton was born on this day in 1951. He's 71 years old today, but of course his birth name was Michael Douglas and there was already an actor and apparently it was to do with the Actors Union so he had to change his name. So he came up with Michael Keaton. That's who he is. He was the best of the Batman. Don't, I'll fight you. Uh, and uh, also the worst of the James Bonds. Uh, <laughs> was born today. George Lazenby, 83, but at least he was a Bond. Good on him. And then dearly departed, well, of course, uh, Frederick Bulsara was born on this day. We all knew him as Freddie Mercury and he was amazing. And a fellow by the name of Jasper, Newton Daniel, who was known as Jack Daniel, American whiskey maker. According to legend, he died of blood poisoning from a wound incurred while kicking a safe because he'd forgotten the combination. There you are. Uh, and this day in 2000, Tuvalu, uh, of course, there became the 189th member of the United Nations. A TV show we love in our house. It was people catching taxis, but it was fascinating. It was called The Amazing Race. The first one of those happened in 2001. And it was the first episode of The Muppet Show in this day in 1976. No guest star has ever appeared twice. The first episode featured Joel Grey. I didn't even know who that was even after Googling. But Wayne and Wanda were on it singing Stormy Weather. The Muppet News Flash was Boffo the Human Cannonball. And Gonzo's act was destroying a vintage automobile to the song The Anvil Chorus. And that is the day that we like to call the 5th of September. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. Joining us now from the business team is Nicholas Pointing, because that's, that's Nicholas Pointing's music. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good morning. Would you want to be in a submarine right at the bottom of the ocean, or would you rather do a spacewalk? Probably a spacewalk. Rather than a spacewalk as well? I think the compression down that low, one small crack in the yeah. hull, that is terrifying that's a, Yeah, me. that terrifies me. I mean, a weighted blanket is nice, but even then I'm like, oof, yeah. I don't like getting out from yeah. under it. Um, apparently, August, people just buying cars. It's a time to buy, apparently. The number of cars sold last month was double what it was a year ago. Um, we're now 1.3% up on where we were a year ago in the year to date, and that's quite interesting just because... There has been signs of sort of softer economic activity. Um, and also that consumers are feeling that now is not necessarily a good time to buy the car, uh, buy a new car to make a big new purchase. But some of the commentary here from the Motor Industry Association is that part of what's led, led to this big surge is the number of cars that have been purchased on allocation, supply chain disruptions are easing, they all just arrived in the month of August. Ah, so, so they pre, almost pre-bought Almost them pre-bought right, okay, uh, thank my, you. my brother's a car dealer, he says that's incredibly popular for a number of people. If they want the car that they want, 
want. Yeah. They don't mind waiting. They just want to lock it in. And yeah. when it arrives, it's like y- you get the car twice. You know, you get the, ex- the thrill of buying it on the spot and then it lands. It's like online shopping. Look at you know, the tree. When you look under the hood, though, there are some interesting things going on here that noticeably a big, strong growth in the sale of pure electric vehicles. Uh, that can be driven by two parts, really. Uh, the clean car discount, also the fact that oil prices have been creeping higher and higher. They've come off the boil in recent weeks and recent months, but they have been quite high. Um, but the top three cars sold last month were the Ford Ranger, the oh, Toyota yeah. Hilux, oh, yeah. and get this, the Tesla Model 3. Really? I do 745 sold last, uh, last month. 897 Toyota Hiluxes and 934 Ford Rangers. Uh, just one final point I want to mention was that at the beginning of the year, before the clean car discount came in, um, before that came in, we saw a rush of people buying Hiluxes, Ford Rangers, yeah. to try and get in before the uh, before the, that rule change came into effect. But... Um, I guess what we've seen now is we've actually seen a recovery. And that is what the Motor Industry Association was telling us. They're like, yes, there's going to be a big spike. Yeah. And people are going to tail off because they bought months worth of new utes in one, in, in, in one month. And now we've seen a, a, a regression to and the And we've seen it come back. Well, the EV is very popular. There's one that I love, and I'm not going to give them a free ad on, t- on, on the radio. I know the one. It's that one. Every time I see one, I'm like, that is a nice car. I Some like of those. them do look, they um, do, eh? they look straight like out of the future. Yeah. yeah, and I often don't know what they are because they don't want to tell people. No, it was so mysterious. Wonderful. Thank you very much, uh, Nicholas. Point in the area so you can hear more from the business team on Morning Report this morning at 10 to 7. Who was with me? Kia Barry, how are you, sir? Oh, very good, yeah. I just rushed in. Uh, uh, I was just watching Manchester United beat Arsenal, handing Arsenal their first loss of the season. So, wow. Uh, I'm, at, uh, I'm in a good mood, yeah. Is it 3 1 was the score I saw? Yeah. Goodness me. Yeah. Like you must be in a pretty uh, good mood, too, after all that rugby at the weekend. Oh, it was, it was lovely, actually. It was very good. Got to watch a lot of it yesterday. I was, oh, Canterbury came back and beat my Hawks Bay right at the end there. But, um, there you go. The, gosh, that All Blacks game, about five minutes in, you went, that is, we look different. Our um, our tackling looks way harder. But also, too, Barry, I noticed a little special play we were doing with guys just running in through depth. And if you replay that Ethan DeGroote try, have a look at Geordie Barrett hooting through from the back. We haven't really seen much of that. And it reminded me of when Ireland were just cutting through us. Yeah. So is this all part of the things that Ian Foster talked about that they were working on? Um, I mean, must be, M- what, must be, M- it, it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm delighted with yes. the, with the victory. Uh, you know, well, just chance. consistency. I, I know. Listening to Michael Checker last week, he said what they need ahead of the World Cup was consistency, hmm. and they, he didn't get it. But now the All Blacks just need to show some consistency too. So uh, uh, we'll have to wait and see when the Wallaby is <laughs> interesting, isn't it? The All Blacks are the top of the standings now. Um, it's just amazing how close that is. I think they're all on ten or nine points. So yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's an, it is an exciting championship, isn't it? I mean, this is because normally it's over by now. You know, yep. there's one team right at the bottom, and there's one mm. too far out in front, and everyone complains about the draw. But um, they've actually managed to uh, to level this out. I think we're on ten, and all the other teams are on nine. Yeah. So uh, it's a week. The next game is like a Thursday night in Melbourne or something. Yeah. 
I'm just trying to work. Why is that? Is the oh, AFL final? Yeah, or something? I mean, number one, they've taken it right into the heart of AFL heartland, and they've taken it there during their <laughs> during their playoffs. Yep. And also, maybe you've got the rugby league playoffs as well, which oh, Melbourne yeah, is, sure. is always in, even though the locals never go. Um, but they've still got that too. So I think it's a, a Thursday nighter in Melbourne. I, yeah. I guess that'll go well. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Oh, and uh, just a, a quick word to the uh, the Carisbrook Bush Pigs one. Great game. Uh, exciting. 21-19 over Auckland uh, University. It came right down to the last play of the game. So uh, that was good for those that get uh, got to watch that on... Uh, on uh, Saturday afternoon as well. That was that with the the under eighty five kilograms. Under eighty five kilogram, yeah. And, yep. and I actually saw I saw a great tweet from Brad Weber, um, former All Black halfback who's uh, playing for Hawks Bay at the moment. He went, "This looks awesome. I can't wait to play in that until you know when I finish playing professionally." And I thought to myself, well, "Yeah, he would be under the under eighty fives, but it's also would it, would it be fair having him there? Mm. I suppose he's the right weight." Yeah, well, it's open, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, I imagine so. Yeah, it's 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 a very even competition. It's just uh, it's outstanding. I, I I really enjoyed that. I I went and watched it at the pub, and the uh, Wellington Southland came, game came on at the same time, and all of a sudden the uh, all the TV switched over. I went, Oi, hey, can I? Uh, <laughs> I want to watch this. So they uh, they fl- everyone said, "What's that?" And I went, "Oh, it's the under eighty five. It's why they're so." Yeah, and uh, an excellent try to Tom Rance for the Carisbrook side there too, so uh, congratulations to them. Uh, coming up uh, today, what have we got? We've got our NFL preseason type things. I think we're really into the tennis, aren't we, is, is what oh, we're looking yeah, at yeah, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was sad to say uh, goodbye to um, Serena Williams. So uh, we got uh, plenty happening yeah. this week. So, uh, but 11 o'clock that. this morning, Medvedev, Kyrgios. There oh, we go. excellent. Yes. Let's go, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Really enjoy him. <laughs> Thank you very much, Barry. There Have is a good uh, week. Yeah, Barry Guy, a fan of under, under under 85 kilo rugby. It is. It was great fun to watch. Even just zipping around there, getting to be on the telly. It was good. Well, some people like to slow down after retirement, but two longtime friends in the United States are upping their game at a golf course in Fargo. North Dakota. They both shoot below their age, which is not bad given that one of them is 100 years old. CNN's Kevin Wallavand has their story. Boy, if I got pencils in here. You have to get up before the birds to play golf with these two. You're uh, you're teeing off first because you won. Max Olsen is 92. See, he's way down there and I'm way back there. His slightly older golf partner, Wendell Johnson, is 100. You see how nice he shoots? You can find the two at Edgewood by 8 a.m. twice a week. And you know what? They both hit the ball well. We've had some, some, uh, quite some experiences over the years. But they're known to rib each other when golfing under pressure. Oh, Wendell. Max was a barber in Fargo for 40 years. Wendell worked at the post office for 30. Wendell has to make it now rather than he's in trouble. See, that's how I beat him. Okay, Wendell, you're up because you're the best player. They didn't offer this information freely. But both men have served our country. Max in the Korean War 
and 100-year-old Wendell. Well, he's a Purple Heart recipient, a Marine in World War II, Okinawa. Okay. He's right down the middle. Yes. These two have stories. It's a little hard at times for Max to get around, and so when he got the golf cart stuck in the mud this summer... Well, I had to uh, help him get out of there. The wheels were just spinning, so... It was 100-year-old Wendell... I had to help him... ...to the rescue. Pushed it out. And sometimes it takes teamwork. The other day, Max was trying to hit out of the sand trap. He hit his ball out, but he couldn't get out. And so Wendell, who's 100, simply reached over and pulled Max out. Talk about aging gracefully and with style. These two golfers finished nine holes at Edgewood. We do it for the fun of it. And it only cost Max a dime. Not bad for a Monday. Well, that's what it's all about. Yeah. To have fun and get out in the fresh air and move around. A pretty good start to the week. Can't win them all. Wendell got me on that one. <laughs> that was CNN's Kevin Wallavand reporting. It's 20 to 6. I'm Nathan Radity with First Up here in RNZ National. Before 6, we're going to catch up with what's happening on Morning Report. We're also going to hear about a Taranaki iwi as well, campaigning to prevent busloads of out-of-towners from coming in and just absolutely decimating stocks of kaimoana. And you're going to hear too uh, about a quite chilling website which has been taken down, but there might be others out there. Uh, disinformation researcher Brian Clark discusses Kiwi Farms. <laughs> Professionals of Morning Report are up after six. Let's have a look at what is happening on the programme today with Susie Ferguson. Kia ora, Susie, how are you? Kia ora, I'm well. How about yourself? Pretty good, thank you. It was a good, successful weekend. Oh, that's always good. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Weekend hap- achieved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's happening today? Well, we're going to be taking a look at uh, what the former Defence Minister Ron Mark is saying, calling for an embassy to be established in Ukraine as more New Zealanders heading to the war zone there. We'll also be talking to the Prime Minister about that. Also coming up on the programme, lotto shop sales, almost 70% are made in the poorest parts of the community. The All Blacks win a rugby match. Hooray! It was beautiful. And also a campaign to stop Northland children uh, wagging school is proving surprisingly successful. All of that is coming up on Morning Report after six. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Uh, Susie Ferguson, of course, is here with, I believe, Corin Dan up after six. Well, an iwi in Taranaki, uh, in fact, iwis, they're coming together with locals to do something about their depleting seafood stocks. A meeting took place recently with over 100 people in attendance and on the table discussing a proposed two-year ban on seafood harvesting in the area. Reporter Leonard Powell has the story. Parihaka Komatua Mahara Okeroa has had enough of out-of-towners taking the Kaimoana. We've had busloads, chartered buses coming in out of here from Auckland. Chocolate lock, and then motor camper vans, cars, the whole shebang. I'm not saying they were breaking the law, but the sheer, sheer volume of the take. Uh, it's quite incredible. Okeroa says whilst they may not be breaking catch limits, the sheer number of people coming to harvest seafood is creating major shortages. They have a bus full of people and there's 30 in a bus. They get 10 power each, that's 300. But then they go to the morning tide, the evening tide, the morning tide, the evening tide, uh, about well, maybe three whole days. So just in one bus, you're talking about close to 2,000 miles. 
beside other people also uh, harvesting out there. A recent meeting brought together iwi and locals, formalising a plan that will be delivered to the Ministry of Primary Industries in the coming weeks. Taranaki Regional Council have got on board too, with their policy and planning committee unanimously deciding to submit in support of the ban last week. It would mean a two-year ban on taking shellfish from 75 kilometres of the Taranaki coast, from Oyo in the south up to New Plymouth. It's an area of 300 square kilometres, including up to two miles from shore. Oakura local David Marshall was at the meeting and says it was a positive step. I was quite concerned that um, you know there might be some sort of pushback, but I think the way that the, the that it was presented that we're all in this together and that you know even though stocks aren't at critical levels, if we do something now, that we're going to really um, set up the future for our kids and stuff. So I think the mood of the meeting was quite positive and anybody that was there that may have wanted to be, you know, a little strong in their opposition were tempered by the mood, which was great. Mr Marshall says the two-year ban would provide time to come up with a solution and ensure this wouldn't have to be an ongoing situation. It's a pretty special lifestyle we have in New Zealand. I mean, I've been in Greece where they fish all night and come back in and sell six-inch fish. You know, there's just nothing left in the Mediterranean. And um, in Sicily, places like that, where there were tuna, they used to row out and get them, and all the factories are closed. So, I mean, yeah, we, we can see a precedent overseas of what happens if you don't manage well. He says the buy-in from the community is encouraging. You know, nobody likes to suck it up, but the fact that the iwi um, are also saying we won't take any for customary rights, you know, for tangi and things like that, you know, they're, they're sucking it up as well. It's not two rules, for, it's one rule for everybody. Komatua Mahara Okeroa says the time to act is now. Why well, wait until it's not there? I mean, there are areas that I feel very sympathetic with, there are areas that are around the Coromandel and north, going north, because a lot of their traditional food source doesn't exist anymore, and it's in a desperate situation. For him, the message is simple. You know, you take what you need and have respect for tangaro and ensure that there's a food source for all the generations that are still to come. That's the aim. The ban would include all shellfish. The Ministry of Primary Industries is welcoming submissions from persons who have an interest in the stocks concerned or in the effects of fishing in the area concerned. Public submissions close on the 15th of September. Leonard Powell reporting there. Polls have opened in Chile uh, for a referendum that may see the dictatorship era constitution replaced by one described as among the most progressive in the world. The vote is the result of months of civil unrest in 2019 over deep social inequality. Voting is mandatory. The BBC's Katie Watson reports. It started three years ago with what's become known as Chile's social outburst. Mass protests over a rise in subway fares that grew to encompass demands to end deep inequalities in the region's most stable economy. Top of the protesters' demands was to change Chile's constitution. Drawn up by a dictator, many saw that as the root of the country's problems. And so the process to modernise the constitution began. It's huge in scope, covering gender parity, abortion rights, indigenous representation and climate issues. 
and if it passes, it'll be one of the most progressive constitutions in the world. As you can see, there is order and tranquility in the polling stations, as there should be. We guarantee that citizens can exercise their right to vote, which is the right thing to do in a democracy. On Sunday, we celebrate a tribute to democracy with great peace of mind. We are very happy and very hopeful, and we believe that the big winner this Sunday will undoubtedly be democracy. All the conditions are in place for a calm and safe vote in our region. But in recent weeks, polls have indicated more voters plan to reject the constitution than vote for it. If that happens, it'll be a blow for President Gabriel Boric, but he's promised a new constitutional process to ensure the Pinochet-era text is finally replaced. It's the BBC's Katie Watson. An internet forum notorious for organising vicious online and real-world harassment campaigns has been taken down due to escalating threats. Kiwi Farms also refused to cooperate with the New Zealand police in the wake of the Christchurch mosque attacks or to hand over posts made on the site by the terrorist. Joining me now is someone who's been following Kiwi Farms for many years. It's disinformation researcher Byron Clark. Uh, Byron, thanks very much for being here. Good morning. So can you just explain, what is Kiwi Farms here for for our listeners that might never have heard of this before? Mm. So essentially it's a, an online forum, but it's run by a former administrator of, of 8chan, another site that people may have heard of, the, the site where the Christchurch shooter shared his manifesto. Um, and it runs in a similar way, but unlike 8chan or 4chan, where the threads disappear after a certain amount of time with no... Um, no new posts on them. On 8chan, the, the threads will remain up for years or longer. So there are threads on there um, targeting usually marginalised individuals that might have started years ago and it just added to with more more and more um, like leaked personal information and harassment and so on. Um, so it's been used to, used to coordinate the, the harassment of um, a number of people, particularly transgender women. The name Kiwi Farm suggests that it's Kiwi Farmers. It's not that, though, is it? No, um, and apparently there is a, a company called Kiwi Fruit Farms that are growing kiwi fruit, and it's unfortunate for them that somebody's mm. taken this name. But, um, yeah, it's um, I'm not sure what the reasoning is behind the name, but um, it's certainly nothing to do with uh, kiwi fruit or kiwis or, or New Zealand even. Yeah. So when you get a site like this, like how did they manage to take it down? Well, what's happened is the site was protected by a company called Cloudflare, who provide a number of internet services, including uh, mitigation of like, things like distributed denial of service attacks. Um, you know, somebody attempting to bring a website down by flooding it with with traffic. So. There's been a lot of pressure put on Cloudflare to stop doing business with this company because if it wasn't for the services that Cloudflare provided, then the site wouldn't be able to maintain a presence on the internet. And Cloudflare very rarely will stop doing business with with a company, um, but they have done so for, for 8chan after the Christchurch shooting um, and for you know a small number of other sites, including like the neo-Nazi forum, the Daily Stormer. Um, and so there's been a huge amount of pressure on... Cloudflare to stop providing these services, which they've only just done as of as of yesterday. 
Um, I understand too uh, that it's it's not just that. I mean, like, okay, we go great. Kiwi farms, not New Zealand farmers. That's a good thing. But as you've just touched mm. upon, it it's, it's it has you know brought to the surface some other websites here, and and, and I believe they're what it's been also hosting a neo-Nazi group based here in New Zealand. That's right. Yeah. So the Kiwi Farms website itself is. Um, hosted by a company called uh, 1776 Hosting. Um, and that only has a very small number of websites, uh, but one of them is Kiwi Farms, and one of them is the website of a, a New Zealand-based neo-Nazi group. And now, because they're on the same network, I mean, they're, they're possibly even on the same same computer, I don't know for certain, but they're behind the same router. So with uh, Kiwi Farms losing its uh, DDoS protection, it means that if somebody is targeting that network, then the... Um, fallout from that is that other sites on the network go down as well. So I've noticed that this particular New Zealand-based neo-Nazi group, their website has been offline uh, since Kiwi Farms went down. What, why did it, I mean, how has it taken, you know, Cloudfest so long to, to block the site? And why, why did they choose mm. to do it now? I think it's taken them a long time because there's still this very pervasive idea in Silicon Valley that the internet should be, um, you know, a place of un- unrestricted free speech, and we shouldn't be making uh, political decisions if you're a, a tech company. Um, and what's um, what's really pushed it over the line for Cloudflare is the um, fact that the site has been been involved in a lot of threats to life. Um, it's now being talked about as, you know, being um, being somewhere for terrorist content. You know, as we know, it's one of the major distribution platforms for the Christchurch Shooters Manifesto and live stream, but um, we're seeing other terror threats and things there as well. And I think um, for Cloudflare, the backlash was really starting to affect them. Other, other customers were, you know, pulling their contracts with Cloudflare and setting up with alternative providers to provide their services because it was starting to look bad not just for Cloudflare but for Cloudflare's other customers that um, that they were still providing these services. So I think um, I think it's been a little bit market driven as well as the the ethical side of it. Um, so you know, their known uh, their tactic seems to be they'll try and find someone and then they will absolutely harass them. They'll they'll do a thing called doxing, which I might get you to explain to the audience as well. They, they go through a whole lot of stuff as well. You've been a victim of this. Tell us what happened and and what was it like? Yeah, so um, for myself, I was um, I was doxed in twenty twenty, and that was um, somebody had obtained my home address by following me home. Um, and then I, yeah, began to get numerous threats uh, mentioning my home address. I had people um, print out memes from a uh, Facebook page that I'd been critical of um, and put them in the letterbox just to let me know that that was, um, that they knew where I lived. Um, about 18 months later, um, I'd moved from that address, but my workplace was, was and released publicly, um, so I began to get people, you know, contacting my employer, demanding I be fired. Um, I even had um, just a couple of months ago somebody turn up at my workplace, give a fake name at the door, um, and get in and start, you know, filming me um, at work. And uh, that video has since been used to um, to harass me further online, um, as well as um, you know, more more uh, threats to contact my employer and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's um it's on a much smaller scale than what some of the victims of the Kiwi Farms harassment have experienced. But um, yeah, still still 
Byron, that's that's horrible. No one should have to go through what you went through at all. And, and I'm sure they're coming out saying, oh, it's just in the name of freedom, because uh, that tends to be the thing that gets attached to it. Uh, Byron, thank you very much for your work and thanks for your information this morning as well. There is disinformation researcher Byron Clark there. Was, that's some pretty chilling and horrible news. Uh, I have been asking, uh, would you prefer to go to the very bottom of the ocean or do a spacewalk? Uh, Pip says bottom of the ocean's my preference. Ellie, bottom of the ocean, no way. Glenn and Gisborne, I do scuba diving, so definitely space. Well, yeah, fair enough. Like kinners, there might be kin- What if there are space kinners? Oh my goodness. Uh, how wonderfully close the rugby championship is. It is. There's another one there too. Uh, Deborah's enjoying the show, which is great. And Pete and Otaki um, says, uh, spare a thought for those twin cab utes. We're in a climate crisis. Uh, there we go. Uh, but also, another one, someone mentioned the amazing race. We worship the amazing race in our home. It's the big Kiwi OE without hangovers and Opusua smell. No trip to the supermarket or letterbox is complete without being told the world is waiting. Oh, or travel safe, Andrew. There you go. It is uh, Freddie Mercury's uh, birthday today. That's why we're playing this. Uh, Morning Report is next with uh, Susie and Corin from all of us here at First Up. Have a wonderful day. We'll be back in your ears up or ball.